at what is the kingdom. Right? Last week we were challenged before we even got started to look at what we're to do and we're to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and all the other things will be added onto us. And so today we're looking at what is the kingdom like. When we're talking about the kingdom of God, what is it like? What, what are we talking about? And so um, we're looking, that's what we're looking at today. You heard that parable, that familiar parable of the sower. Some of us who have been raised in church in Sunday school, sometimes these are the most difficult ones to preach on because people already tune in and say, ah, I know that. <laughs> I know that parable. I grew up about that parable. And so we want to uh, really understand this parable in light of what does the kingdom of God look like? What is it like? So that's our reason today for coming into Matthew chapter 13 and looking at this parable. And uh, I've never had the experience to do this. Now I know there have been corn mazes and other things similar, but I know that this is a big thing to be able to go through a, a maze made of hedges. It's a big thing in England, and there are places that there are beautiful gardens, and when they build these beautiful gardens, they build these beautiful hedge mazes. And there are, of course, hedges that are higher than you, because that's the whole point, because you don't know where you're going. And, and the truth of it is that often when you go through these mazes, you can come to a place where you realize, oh no, I've gone the wrong way. You come to a dead end, and when you come to that dead end, what do you have to do? You have to kind of figure out where you are, and you turn around and you go down another path, only to find another dead end. And the truth of it is, with these mazes, many of them that are quite familiar, they usually give you a map. <laughs> they give you a map because you need to find out where you are, and you need to find a way to turn around and get out of there. That would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a nightmare to be forever stuck in a maze and not finding your way out? And, and, and so you're needing this map to understand where you are, and you're needing that to, to find your way out. Interesting enough, that N.T. Wright was saying that the parables of Jesus often for some people feel like a maze. That they feel like not a maze, but a maze. They're trying to make their way through. They're trying to work it out. They're trying to make sense of it all as we look at Jesus' parables. Parables are something that Jesus used a lot to teach. And often we see, uh, and the reason why I asked Rachel to include the other verses was because Jesus had to explain it even to his 12. They didn't understand. And if we're not careful, often we can feel lost. I don't know if you've ever, going to be honest today, have you ever felt lost reading God's Word? Yeah. And so what is needed to understand is we need divine revelation. <laughs> we need God to open up and show us. We need God to lead us. And that's what the parables of Jesus are about. We talked last week about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, which the scripture uses interchangeably, we talked about that, is the theme and the thought that Jesus taught about. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God more than anything else. In the Gospels, he talked about the kingdom of God over a hundred times plus. And so this is what he was about, why he came. He made that very clear. And just look at uh, Mark 1, 15. It said, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. Remember last week we said it was introduced in the garden and lost in the garden. And now it was reintroduced, 
when Christ came, John the Baptist prepared the way for it, but Christ came. And so this is what Jesus said when he was ready to start his earthly ministry. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe the good news, the gospel. So that's what we're going to be doing in these weeks. We're going to be spending time in Matthew 13. It's kind of a chapter that teaches us what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus uses various parables to get lessons across to us, and we'll look at those. The kingdom of God, he says, is mysterious, is contested, is gradual, it's priceless, it's decisive, it's both physical and spiritual, it is the already and the not yet. And so as we back up a little bit, we notice that as you come into Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has already received many different kinds of responses to him coming and bringing the kingdom and talking about the kingdom and sharing the kingdom. Chapter 13 in Matthew is kind of a turning point in that gospel because before this, Jesus would go around freely and teach in the synagogues about God's kingdom. Now he's in a boat on the seashore speaking to the crowds because the official religious leaders are now in open opposition against Jesus. And Jesus knows that that opposition will eventually lead to his own crucifixion. So Jesus, at this point, is banished by the church that he knows, the synagogue. Banished, not allowed to be there anymore, not allowed to get up and, and read the word or teach. And so he's going out in the waysides, and he's finding crowds, and he's finding opportunities to speak to those who have an ear to listen to what he has to say. And I was thinking about John Wesley and the revival in England. John Wesley was thrown out of the church for what he was preaching and he would even go preach in the cemetery and stand up on tombstones. He would go and preach in the middle of the town square. You know, when we've heard those people in town squares, people thought they were a little fanatical. Well, that was John Wesley preaching in the squares. And a mighty revival hit England. <laughs> so it's nothing new when people have been banished to speak in God's house. Sad when you think about it, isn't it? And so Jesus knows all this is going on. And so he begins to sit down on this boat. He looks out over the crowds, those who have gathered, and he starts to teach them about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is mysterious. That's what we're looking at today. This is kind of the parable that starts all the other parables. It is mysterious. Mysterious in how? There are secrets of the kingdom. God is wanting for you to know the secrets of the kingdom. See, those who love darkness, these secrets will be hidden. But those who will want the light, who want to walk in the light, God is going to begin to reveal to them the mystery of what the kingdom is about. Remember, we talked about the fact that you need divine revelation in order to understand the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom. Listen to what, you know, there's a few verses in between what Rachel read in Matthew 13. Verses 13 to 15 in particular, get your Bibles with you. This is what Jesus said. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. 
You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. There was a comedian years ago when people were saying stuff that they didn't like. They would go, la, 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 la. <laughs> and now some of us, now try that with your spouse. La, 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 la. <laughs> try that teenagers with your parents. La, 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 la. Not going very far. <laughs> But there is this reality spiritually that people can go around when it comes to the kingdom of God and the message of God, la, 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 don't want to hear it. And so Jesus is saying that there are those who have closed their hearing, have closed their eyes. See, in the New Testament, this word mystery is used as a spiritual truth. As we said, only understood by divine revelation. It is a gift from God. We can only ever understand the mystery of what the kingdom of God is like because God begins to reveal it to us. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus chooses to teach with parables. What is a parable? I've always remembered this phrase. It really helps us to understand a parable. Earthly stories with heavenly meaning. So Jesus is using these everyday stories of life all around him so he can now teach the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom. And so Jesus did not teach parables to confuse people or condemn people. Rather, he sought to excite people. Rather, he uh, did this to arouse curiosity, to get people on the edges of their seat to hear what he was going to say next. What is he teaching? What is he saying? That people would be given light, those that are searching. Remember we said about Revelation, it is about searching and seeking and knocking and asking doors to be open onto us. But those who chose to do, la 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 la, <laughs> would not understand. And so today we have that familiar parable of the sower. And so a sower went out to sow. Some believe that as Jesus was sitting there on the boat, he could see the hills, and as he's sitting there, he's watching this sower going out on one of those fields and planting. We don't know that for sure, but it could be. And, and something we need to say here right out front, the seed is good seed, because I know there's times when you find out the seed was bad seed, and you don't get a harvest. But that's not all we're talking about here. There's, there's no discussion about the seed. The seed is the word of God, and it is good seed. It is that word of God that announces the kingdom. And Isaiah said that he saw the word going out. But it didn't work in people's hearts because everyone who heard Jesus' word did not always use it wisely. See, the truth of the message today, of the gospel still today, is you have freedom. Look at somebody and say, I have freedom. You have freedom not to look at them and say it. Because <laughs> you're not moving your hands too much. <laughs> I have freedom. It's my choice what I do with the Word of God, with the seed, with the kingdom. My choice. And so Jesus knows this, that 
people have freedom. And so the kingdom of God is like a seed. The word of God. And just as seeds need to be planted, nurtured, and tended to grow into a plant, the kingdom of God is planted into our hearts and needs to be nurtured, needs to be tended in order for it to grow in our lives. And the word of God is seed. This terminology is used because the seed is alive and it brings life, the word of God. Unlike the words of man, the word of God is living and alive. And it can impart life to those who will receive the word of God. But it's our choice if we allow the kingdom to take root in our lives or not. So we have the seed, and we have this example of bad soils and good soil. Many people said, really, it shouldn't be the parable of the sower, but it should actually be the parable of the four soils. Because the real purpose of this and the secret of the kingdom is looking at these four soils. And so Jesus talks about today the bad soils and the good soil. And he says, you know, how's your heart today? What's your heart like? And so many of us, as I said, we grew up with this. But I believe something that God really spoke to me. I preached this message many times. But I never did it in light of the kingdom. Thinking of it about the kingdom. I preached the good parable. And yet Jesus says right out in the front, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. <laughs> it's like a sower who went to sow seed. God is saying to us, this is a mystery and a secret about the kingdom of God. So if we want to know what the kingdom of God is like, this is a good place to start. So we heard that Jesus said some of the seed fell where? It fell on roadsides, some passages say. Some of them say paths. It fell on the path. And birds came along and devoured them, ate them up. Well, we get to see that a lot next door to us <laughs> at the silos there. We have pigeons around, but praise God, the pigeons aren't on our roof, and they're not around on our property at the manse, because they like next door quite a bit. <laughs> when all the seeds fall off the trucks, and we get to watch that, and watch the pigeons fly around and enjoy that. But this is a truth that Jesus is saying. He's using an everyday story that, and you know, they would sow by hand. They would harvest by hand. Now, there was a day, I've seen pictures of people planting the potatoes with sacks on their side by hand. And I'm sure harvesting back one day by hand back in the day. And so this was a common phenomenon that the sower would go and he would sow the seed. And so they would turn the soil over, but they had to have pathways. If you're having to walk up and down the field, you have to have pathways. And what happens with the pathway? Because of people walking over it, because it hasn't been turned over, it becomes hard. And I've seen some ground here in Brits Rhode Island end up almost feeling like cement when it hasn't been turned over and the ground and the sun hits it. It becomes hard. And that's what Jesus is saying here about the path, that even as the wind or just by chance the sower is sowing the seed, all of a sudden it falls on this hard place, the path. And we heard, as Rachel said, in verse 18 and 19, Jesus explains to his disciples what this is. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, that which has been sown in his heart. 
He says, this is what was sown by the roadside or the pathway. It's because the heart is what? Hard. The heart is closed. And so now the evil one is able, as soon as the word is sown, the evil one is able to come and snatch it away, the devil. Snatching the word of the kingdom. And it has no opportunity to germinate. Have you ever met people that even maybe in some of your own families or friends, you keep telling them about the goodness of God, you keep talking about the kingdom, you keep telling them about God loves them, and, and you keep saying to him, then you know, about sin and how God's got a remedy and he wants to cleanse you. There's no need of filling up your life full of regrets and brokenness, because God can make you new and make a new way for you. And it's like it just goes right over there. They're hard. They're cold. They're closed to the things that God wants to do. And so, unfortunately, the path represents hearers of God's word who have a shut mind and a hard heart. And the gospel is never able to penetrate these hearts. And so it just disappears every time somebody preaches, every time somebody teaches, every time somebody opens the word to speak the truth, it just disappears. Because hearts are closed, minds are closed, ears are closed, eyes are closed. To have an unreachable and an unteachable spirit to the truth puts up a barrier because pride or fear. Another word for it is stubbornness. There are those that Jesus was speaking to those around him who were the religious. And we're not just talking about pagans here. We're talking about religious people here that Jesus is coming to preach about the kingdom. And they are so close to it. They don't want to hear it. I think it's one of the saddest things you can ever think. That the very ones who were upholding God's word. Who had been people of prayer. Who sat in the synagogue and read the prophets. And waited and prayed for the Messiah. The Messiah is standing right before them. And they don't want him. They reject him. Because they don't want to hear what he has to say. And so they have eyes but they don't see. And they have ears and they don't hear. And Jesus says they refuse to accept him. And they are blind. I know what Barclay said. He said there are none so blind as those who deliberately will not see. And so Jesus says, those are the ones where you can see they've been sown on the path. And then he talks about those who have been, the seed has been sown on stony ground. Now I remember hearing the story of certain fields here on the island that, uh, that, that when harvest time came, there was many stones in the, in the truck as there were potatoes. That's not a good thing. I've heard that. And so sometimes we think that's stony ground. But that's not what that is here. Stony ground here is over in the Middle East where they would look out over a field and it would look fertile, but underneath in certain areas was a bedrock of limestone. And so although you looked over the field and it looked like a normal field, in those patches there would be limestone. And so as the seed was sown there, you kind of get excited because it was the place where the seed would first pop up because as the sun hit that stone underneath, it would warm up. And so you see these patches out in the field where all of a sudden it looks so good because it's, it's popping up. But unfortunately, 
as the sun started to beat down and it couldn't get its roots down deep and it couldn't get moisture, those very plants were the areas where it would shrivel up. Those are the rocky places that Jesus is speaking of here. So the seed will germinate and look great, but surely because it was shallow, it starved to death and shriveled up. And this is what Jesus says in verse 20 and 21. Jesus described the rocky soil. He says, what was sown on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately with joy receives it. Yet he has no root in himself and endures for a while. But when oppression or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This explains why some believers don't last. Now, remember I said to you, you're only here today because of God's divine revelation and sustaining grace and keeping grace and forgiveness. So we don't say this in any pride today that we're still here. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen. But this is those that get so excited. You've been around the ones in emotionalism and, and, and make that decision for Jesus. And oh, isn't that wonderful? And oh, they're so excited. And, and then all of a sudden, when it talks about sacrifice, when we talk about contribution, when we talk about getting involved in the kingdom, when we talk about picking up your cross and calling Christ, ah, that's not what I got into this for. Thanks. But no thanks. And so we realize that there are those today, and there are those that are presenting the gospel in such a way that we have made it so palatable and so down to a place where it's all about you and your needs and your wants and your wishes, but we never talk about sacrifice and carrying our cross and that it takes work to follow Jesus. It's the best thing that's ever happened. You will never want to go back on it, but it does take work and sacrifice. And the church needs to say it because we're not doing the church or the kingdom of God any favor to have people to make an emotional decision and six months from now they're long gone. But what Christ is looking for are those in the kingdom who will follow him wholeheartedly no matter what. I'm in 100%. I'm all in, Lord. I'm going to follow you to my last breath. That's the kingdom. Jesus says, you want to know what the kingdom looks like? That's the kingdom. But be prepared. There are those like those that are sown on rocky soil that make a quick decision. Praise God, there's always grace and chance for turnaround. But make a quick decision, and years later, they're nowhere to be found. Though we continue to pray for them, we continue to challenge them, we continue to witness to them, but Jesus is saying that's not the kingdom. That's not what the kingdom is like. Someone put it this way, you see... It isn't about just one quick trip to the altar. John's Gospel, I said I've been studying through John's Gospel in, in, uh, in January. And Jesus, in John's Gospel, which is very much like the other Gospels, Jesus is sifting through. John presents it this way. He's, he's sifting through to see who are the true believers and who are false believers. So, so who are the true believers? And there comes a point in John's Gospel where Jesus starts to have a hard teaching. It's right after he fed them. Remember he fed them? And he went to get away, but they found him on the other side. And he says, you're only following me because you got your bellies filled yesterday. 
And he says, unless, he goes on about being the bread of life, and then he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And it says at that point that the disciples heard Jesus say that, and they said, you know, that's hard teaching, Jesus. And Jesus said, you think this is hard teaching? <laughs> right? Because Jesus knows that many of them will give their lives to the cause of Christ. This isn't even hard yet. And it says there in John's Gospel that many left him at that point. Because of hard teaching. That's what this is talking about here. And, and what's interesting, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, are you going to leave me too? And Peter looks at him and says, but Lord, where would we go? And I think of that often. But Lord, where would I go? You are the one who has the words of life. My friends, I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is not about one trip at the altar 42 years ago or 10 years ago. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is about following and knowing Jesus today. You know, I thought about the analogy of a marriage. We say, what do we say when we stand before the minister? I do. Right? I hope you said that. I will or I do. And I praise God that, you know, a marriage 40-something years later, it wasn't just based on that one I do at an altar in the Nazarene Church in Mississauga, Ontario. Because God help us if that's all it was. Right? Marriage is a daily commitment to each other. That was the beginning of a life together. That's what I'm saying to you today. This emotional, quick little trip to the altar and a prayer. Praise God, that's the beginning. And I hope you have it. <laughs> but it's about a life in the kingdom of God. It's about a life in Jesus, it's about a life that even death cannot take. It's about a life eternal that I look forward to. It's life, life, and more life. Hallelujah. Amen. And so it's much more than just a little I do. And some of us, that I do was even made in emotionalism. These are the people who take faith enthusiastically, but quickly drop it when it's not easy or fashionable anymore. Do you know what that looks like? Go anywhere around the island and you'll see it. Unfortunately, it breaks your heart. But these trees all over the island don't have deep roots. What they're finding is the access to water has actually been quite good for them, so it's a little bit different than rocky soil. But but uh, they have not got their roots down deep. They're shallow, and so their roots went wide, but not deep. And what happens? Oh, they're fine. They look good. They're beautiful trees. They've been there for years. But a storm comes. When the storm comes, those that are shallow won't be standing firm. And that is the point that Jesus is trying to say here. The seed that fell on rocky soils. And then he talks about the seed that fell among the thorns. You know, I've done this, I've made that mistake so many times where I have gone and, and, and I have turned over the soil and I haven't turned over the soil faster than my has. Anyway, we turned over the soil, I know it's the weed. And, and uh, 
and, and you just get those seeds in there because you can't wait for those plants to come and you're going to have a great harvest and then you realize you didn't do the work to pull out the weeds. You just kind of planted the seeds because the soil looked good. But underneath were weeds and thorns. And before you know it, we've got a weed garden <laughs> instead of a fruitful garden. And so Jesus says that this is what was sown among the thorns is the one who hears the word but the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches or the love of money choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. And so there are many times in our Christian faith that we want quick fixes. Oh God, give me a word while I run to get a coffee. <laughs> Oh God, I don't have time for Bible study today, so just give me a scripture and I'll on the run. And somebody said, you know, the Christianity today in North America is like we're Christianity takeout. We want it through the takeout window. We don't want to spend time deep. We don't want to spend time together with people in community because that takes time. That takes investment. And Jesus says that, you know, well, that's just like the one that was sown amongst the thorns and the weeds. And if you're not careful, my friends, before you know it, the things of this world grow up around you and it begins to choke the very life of God out of you. Oh, the love of money. Money itself is not a sin. People make often that mistake. What is a sin? The love of money. The cares of this world, if we're not careful, can choke the seed of God's kingdom out of our lives. And we've seen it happen to many. And so the universal church and the visible church, I've often used this lesson to teach. And Pastor Mike could probably do a much better job of it than I, but it helps me to understand what the kingdom of God is like. You see, for the kingdom of God, there is this visible church. There are visible churches all over West France. But what Jesus sees, the kingdom, is about his invisible church. You cannot see it with the physical eye because it spans over 2,000 years and it will continue to span until Christ returns for his bride, the invisible church. And the way that we become a part of God's invisible church is what we spoke about last week. You need to be born into it. You need to have that relationship where you know that you have had a spiritual kingdom birth. And you are born again, you are born above, you have a spiritual birth. And you are a part of God's invisible church. That's what the symbol of baptism is. That you're now washed and laid down to die to self and come alive in the kingdom of God. And we're waiting for his kingdom. Oh, I've got to stay here and I've got lots to do yet, God willing. But I'm waiting for his kingdom. I'm waiting. I'm a part of it. We talked about that last week. My citizenship is already there. And so there is this aspect of the invisible church. Now, as a believer in Christ, where do I live out my faith? In a visible church. That's not perfect. <laughs> that has faults. Because nobody in the church is perfect. Somebody once said, you heard this, if you're looking for a perfect church, the moment you step in, it ceases to be one because you're not perfect. <laughs> and so we live in this fallen world and we live in a church amongst brothers and sisters in Christ and we try to live out this kingdom life here and now. We flesh it out together. But here's the point that I'm saying all of this. Because you sit on a pew in a visible church, 
does not mean you're part of his invisible church. This is one of the saddest things. This is thorny ground, soil, weeds. This is one of the saddest things. Remember I talked about the religious before Jesus and they missed it? To me, the saddest thing of all are those people who have been raised in the church, who have sat in the church, and who are lost in the church. Because they haven't had that experience with Jesus Christ. And it shouldn't surprise us when some don't want anything more to do with the church because they haven't had this experience. Or if they have had the experience, they've allowed the things of this world to steal and snatch what God has planted in their hearts. And they fizzle out and they die off. And the weeds continue. I don't want to fizzle out. Hallelujah. I don't want to dry up. My desire is to be alive in Christ until my last breath. I pray that's your prayer too. And I praise God today that there are those who sit in this visible church who are a part of God's invisible church that he is returning for, the bride of Christ. And I pray today, if you are sitting in a pew but you have not made that experience or any listening online today, that you will make that decision for Christ. Much like Nicodemus came in the middle of the night asking about what is this born again thing. I don't get it. Revelation. We need God to reveal to us what this is to be born again. Born from above. Born in his kingdom. It is a mystery. It is a secret. But God wants to reveal it to you. Nobody here is special. Nobody here is better than anyone else. God revealed it to us. And we knew in that moment we needed this. And the truth of it is today that God's revelation, my, I pray that you will hear what God is saying to you, that you need this spiritual birth as well. So that you can be a part of his kingdom, of his invisible church. Praise God for good soil. Remember we said good seed planted on good soil. What's this point about good soil? Good soil can go deep. Good soil is clean. Good soil is soft. Good soil is open to the things of God. And because of that, there will be an abundant harvest. Jesus said this and how he explained it. What was sown on the ground, the good ground, this is he who hears the word and understands it, who most certainly bears fruit and produces some 100 times as much as 60 times and as much as 30 times. You know what I like about that? We're not all the same. Notice there were those that were good soil and it was 100 times. There were those that were good soil and it was 60. There were those that were good soil and it was 30. God is not calling us all to be the same. But there is something that needs to be in place if we want to be part of God's kingdom. And God is saying this is what the kingdom of God is like. It is good soil that is open that is clean and ready to what? Receive. Mm -hmm. Here I am, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here I am. What would you have of me today? I like what the Greek word for receive says. It actually means to accept. Remember we talked about choice before. Deliberately. So I'm accepting deliberately, willingly, favorably, and readily and to embrace with favor and delight. That's what this word receive means here. Someone said it's like somebody coming home and you put out a welcome mat. 
You put everything on. You can't wait for them. And you put this big welcome mat, this sign up, welcome home. And so they're saying that this is saying, Jesus is saying, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? These are individuals that put a welcome mat to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way in my life today. Come and do what you need to do. May Christ be magnified in my life. That is what God is saying here is the kingdom of God. Good soil. It's the person who puts... The welcome mat out to God. And so the kingdom is the person who has a good heart. Notice nowhere here it says the same word perfect. But I have an open mind. I'm prepared to hear what God is going to say to me today. Never too proud. Never too busy to listen. I understand and when I hear and understand, I'm praying about how God would have me put that into action. Pastor Mike often speaks about the response after the response. And so, yes, we can do an altar call and you respond, but if it's forgotten before you move and step out of the door, we've missed it. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is I'm hearing his word and receiving his word and meditating on it and allowing it to percolate in my soul. And now it becomes fleshed out into my life that it begins to produce a harvest. That's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. It is the person who listens, who understands, and who obeys. Good soil. I like what this says here. The seed when planted doesn't need help. All it needs is to be placed in good soil. When you leave it, and it does, and it does everything. This is because the seed, which is the word of God, is incorruptible. Remember we said it's good. Once it finds good soil, it is going to produce a certain transformation. Others will see this fruit and know that this person is truly of God and is from the kingdom of God. That is good soil. That is what the kingdom is like. Interesting enough, we heard it very clearly today, what Jesus is saying in Matthew. Remember I said to you in John, John's gospel is about seeing and believing. And so John is looking for those that see the signs and now believe. And here we can see that Matthew is saying there are those and John's terms too, those walking in darkness versus those walking in the light. And so Matthew was saying here, you know, that seed fell on the wayside, and that's that person walking in darkness. They're led away by Satan's deceptions. And seeds that fall on the rocky ground, they're walking in darkness. They leave when persecution arises. And seeds that fall on thorny ground is walking in darkness, are worldly and seek after riches. But praise God for the seeds that fall on good ground. Walking in the light, and they bear fruit and teach the word correctly. And the kingdom of God expands and grows. That's what this parable is about. You want to know what the kingdom of God looks like? Compost. I've been, I've been believe it or not, it's been going on for a while now, probably about six months, I've been studying about composting. I'm an odd duck, I know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just am fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the fact that you can go out and you can purchase compost and cost your fortune, or you can make your own compost. And, and there is a ratio of three 
three portions brown to one first portion green, which is the nitrogen. And there's, so I still have that all figured out, but I'm going to work on it. And, and why do I say that? Well, well basically, that's, that's the reality of what this is about, isn't it? That there, there is this aspect that, that there is a choice uh, of being that kind of soil. What they find out is when you make your own compost and it's good soil and it's natural and it's, it's got all these microisms and different things in it, and, and that when you take that soil and plant seed in it, I'm studying about no big gardens, but you plant seed in that, it just produces. It can't but produce. It produces a mighty harvest, and I've seen videos of this. I'd like to be able to see that work out in my own garden and life. And so this is what Jesus is saying here. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It is like that soil that has been worked on and thought through and, and is alive. Soil is alive, by the way. It should be alive. And, and I'm allowing those things in my heart and life that is going to take the seed of God's kingdom and it'll just grow and expand and change and transform. So the question today, as the worship team comes, how's your heart? You can, you can be lost in a maze and not know where to go and say, I don't know what the pastor was talking about today. Or you can hear what God is trying to say through my preaching of the word, which basically we heard the word, so that should resonate with us. That we can say, Lord, here is my heart. It's good soil. Plant your seed here today in me. Help me to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I've been praying that, and we will pray that towards the end today. Again, the Lord's Prayer. But did you notice what we pray in that prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. The actual prayer says where? As in earth. The Lord showed me that this morning. Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And so my prayer is, I'm not fully, because I said to you, this is a mystery. This is secret. The kingdom of God is not easy to fully wrap our minds around, but we can know what it's like because of Jesus' parable. But my prayer is that when I say your kingdom come in the earth of my soul and heart and life, as it is in heaven. I believe God is wanting to do that, and I believe God is wanting to honor us. So I challenge you today, where's your heart? Jesus also tells us the mystery that one in four, 25% will get it. And so we sometimes wonder when we're spreading the good news and sharing it with people, and we just don't seem to see the fruit that we would like. Jesus says, no, no, listen, there are those who have stony hearts, there are those who have hardened hearts, there are those who have thorny hearts, but if you keep sowing the seed, I will find those that are good soil. And there will be a great harvest. So that's why we continue to sow, why we continue to do, but isn't that interesting that that's part of the mystery, the secret that Jesus is telling us. One in four have hearts that are full of readiness to receive what he has for them. Would you stand with us as we sing this closing song? And if you need to do business with God, if you say to him as we started this today, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked thing in me today, Lord. 
But God is here to do that work in all of our hearts. Maybe, maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm the path. I have never allowed the word of God, church, the message, do anything in my life. But today, I want to be good soul. I believe the Lord will honor that prayer. And you can be part of his, not just the visible church here, but his majestic, wonderful, invisible church, the bride of Christ. Let's sing a song and then we'll pray.